Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. Hey, welcome back to the uh, episode of the podcast. I have a very special guest today. I'm excited to be talking with uh, Monique Allen with uh, the Garden Continuum, and uh, we're going to have a great uh, conversation about business, and I'm so excited. So, Monique, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. So I know we've been planning this for a while and it's finally here and uh, dealing, still dealing with that chest stuff. I don't know what, why I struggle mm -hmm. with it, but I'm going to do my best. If you hear me clear my throat or, or yell at the mic, it's because I'm, <laughs> I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying my best to talk. So okay. gotcha. I appreciate you for being here. So why don't we start off with just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what, you know, what your business is and, and kind of bring us up to speed with what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my company is called The Garden Continuum, and we're out of Massachusetts. And uh, I have been in this industry for almost 40 years. It's a little scary. Wow. Uh, it's absolutely been my life's work. And, um, you know, it's iterated over the years. It's changed. You know, you, you're in a business long enough and you grow and, you're, and you evolve. Um, the mission has uh, gotten tighter and tighter um, in focus on the environment just really, really important that we're um, thinking about the environment. And then the business has become more and more triple bottom line. So really focusing on the planet and the people and the profits and really not, you know, I know people love to talk about profit first and that's like super important. But, um, but I think if we, if we're not uh, embracing the people on the planet, there's, there's issues. So really the company has become um, a real, staple in our community for looking at the work we do landscape development in a really environmental way and um, probably about uh, 15 or 18 years in um, I started teaching and I started helping people both with horticultural development but then also business development and so that's how the business coaching of the lifescape coach got started awesome and I, I love that the, the people or the planet people profit I love mm -hmm. the, the three P's there. Uh, yeah. I'm an alliteration. <laughs> little alliteration. Uh, yeah, I love, love alliteration. But um, awesome. So let's get into that for a second. So with the planet, I mean, obviously landscaping, like that's the closest to the planet. You know, of all the construction trades that you're out there, like landscaping, you're going to be the closest to the planet, right? You're dealing with mm -hmm. alive, live organisms here. Uh, you said like, I think 15, 18 years in, or maybe I misunderstood you, but like, where did that shift for you of like, we really start, got to start paying more attention to the planet. Yeah. So the world changed, the world was changing, right? So I started in the eighties and, you know, I, I started really with the whole building and subdivision boom, like just, and, um, and so I came in conventionally, I came in using conventional fertilizers, using pesticides when we needed herbicides and we needed it just conventionals. All I knew and then little by little, I started getting very interested in health and wellness and then started to realize that there was a correlation. I read the book Silent Spring and I started to just understand that, you know, a lot of what we were doing was pretty detrimental. And then so the more I learned, the more I was doing education based marketing for my company. And of course, this was back when you I had a newsletter, you 
typeset it, you sent it to a printer, printed it, folded it, put a wafer, licked a stamp, put it, you know what I mean? Like it was just a different world. Um, But education-based marketing became really important to me. And the more I did that, the more I was getting feedback and questions. And then I kept kind of digging. And ultimately what really flipped this for me was that um, my neighbor uh, recommended me for the conservation commission in my town. I didn't even know what a conservation commission Mm. was. You know, I had, I had really stopped with pesticides and herbicides. I, I, I had stopped all of that, but I didn't know about, you know, the Department of Environmental Protection as it pertained to landscapers or anybody who was working outside. And that's what tip, ultimately tipped the scales. I worked for um, nine years on my commission. Then I did a huge um, environmental project for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And my whole world just, you know, just it, it totally about face and shifted into that into that market realm. Gotcha. Okay. And, and I mean, to be fair, like in, you know, eighties, nineties, even early two thousands, we didn't really know the impact of the stuff that we were using and, you know, all that stuff. So why would you know that? Yeah. And the funny thing though, is, you know, the book silent spring was written a lot earlier than that. Right. So, so we did know, but it was known in a much, so the, the Wetland Protection Act was put into place in 1973 in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. And, and so we knew, but it was still really big in the sense that it was municipalities, governments, states, the the nation, like it wasn't, we weren't thinking about the, the, the fact that we had we were able to make impact in our own yards and negative impact at that. Yeah. So that was what really started to to shift. Well, I mean, they were still selling encyclopedia sets door to door back then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like? Yup. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't uh, mass. You know, you couldn't get on TikTok and and learn about the you know effects of fertilizers and pesticides in five minutes. So you know, right, it took five, right. five I mean... years for that information to circulate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep, and that that was not just so you know I was, that was not like a uh, trying to poke fun at age or anything. Uh, oh no, don't worry just... about it. I, <laughs> I paid my dues. I'm happy about the age. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So okay, so the the planet part of it that obviously that makes sense. We mm-hmm. need to be you know smarter with what how we use the stuff and and um, what we're putting into our bodies too, for that matter. Um, that all makes sense. What about the people aspect of that? What, when did that really start to kind of resonate with you? Yeah, the the people aspect. Um, I incorporated my business in 2000, and you know I think the part when the people became really important was as we went into the great recession and um, the market really, really changed and it, it never went back. It, as far as people were concerned, it never went back. It was, it was kind of a wound that happened in that time that, that required, at least in my opinion, it required that we thought about our clients and our staff differently. And, um, and so I started to, I really pivoted during the great recession. Cause we, we really shrunk and I was really surprised at how we shrunk. You know, I, I expected, you know, I work for well-to-do people. Why would they, why would they go away? Whereas the people who were more upper middle income stayed on, but the really wealthy went away. Like I didn't understand how the markets worked. I didn't understand how the, the life cycle of home ownership, I didn't understand. Um, 
So there were all these things that I realized I was kind of asleep to. And I started to really dig into that client avatar. And when once I built that and I started to build the LifeScape method, um, then I realized that I could take that same strategy and turn it inward and begin to create the avatar of the ideal landscaper, the ideal gardener. And, um, and then we had the pandemic and that just flipped everything on its ear again. And we realized that it is our role and our requirement. Actually, this happened when everyone was complaining about millennials. Actually, that's when it first happened where as owners, we actually have to take responsibility for our workforce that, you know, this idea that I'm going to put an ad out and find a perfect person was this ridiculous unicorn strategy. <laughs> and, um, and so I realized that, that I had a duty as a, as an owner to, um, to find people with the right raw materials and then provide them with what they needed to, to level up. And that was a, that was a big eye opener. Um, and it was a slog. It was a real slog, but now that we have the systems that we have in place, I tell you, it makes for such a better business. I mean, hands down better business. If you have systems for your people, the the term, uh, you know, hire for personality and, and train for skill comes to mind there. A lot of us yeah. want to hire the guy that's got 20 years experience, you know, doing whatever, but, He's, maybe he's an alcoholic or maybe he doesn't, you know, very bad with finances and all this stuff plays into them as an employee on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's, I think it's Patrick Lencioni. I think I'm saying his name, right. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote the five dysfunctions of a team and he yep. talks about like the ideal team player is hungry, humble, humble and smart. Smart. Yep. And that, you know, whether they've been do some of my best employees have only been in, you know, started with me from another industry and they had a transferable skill um, or they were just home gardeners, um, but they're just, they're hungry. They just have this passion and tenacity for this work. And ultimately this is, I mean, all contracting work is hard work. Mm -hmm. So if you don't love it to some degree, it's going to kick your ass. And so you just need to be able to have somebody that, has resilience, stick to some hunger, you know, gosh, hopefully they laugh at a joke. They can laugh at themselves because that's important. So yeah, really important stuff, I think. Yeah, I love I love those books. I actually haven't read the uh, five dysfunctions of a team, but I, the ideal team player is one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting side story. I after I read that book, I posted an ad for a lead carpenter. And I use those three words, humble, hungry, and smart. I'm looking for somebody humble, hungry, and smart. And a guy that applied who was a, who was a great fit uh, said, well, the reason why I replied is because you had those words in there and that appealed to me. And huh. I was like, well, if this isn't like, you know, data that shows that this is actually true, uh, ultimately he ended up taking a sales job in construction. He just like, he's like, I'm done. But uh, it, it, it just sticks out because of that, that book and those, and those words. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the people aspect of it and I, and just for, for people listening and for you, like I started in 2009. So like on the back end of the recession, it was still kind of going strong and at least in the Midwest uh, and people were leaving like in droves, like contractors leaving the industry in droves. And of course yeah. I thought that'd be a great time to start a construction business, you know, when everybody's leaving. <laughs> so, and there's no work to be done, but, uh, but we survived, made through it. But yeah, that, that, I, I agree with you that after that, it really kind of changed the whole 
dynamic. And then add on to that, like stop teaching shop class in middle school and all of the home economics and all these different, you know, like, I don't want to say trade, but you know, things that are services that we need it turned to, cause when I was in school, I graduated in 95 from high school. It was all about go to college, go to college. Everybody's got to go to college, right? You don't want to, if you don't go to college, you're going to end up working in construction. Like it was all kind of bad mouth. You know what I mean? Right. 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 And I, I always tell people that, you know, the landscapers, they're the lowest of the low, right? We're like, we're like below the contractors that do building. We're below, um, you know, cleaners and mechanics, like we're like the dirt workers and, and who, what parents in their right mind ever says, I hope my kid becomes a landscaper. So to me, it became really, really important to elevate the industry so that we could, um, we could show that, that we were smart. We could show that we were valuable and that, you know, I want to be able to tell a parent of, of, of a kid who comes out of a trade school, we got your kid. We're going to take care of your kid. Let me tell you something. Your kid can make a lot of money and can grow business and, and really grow in the business. They don't have to own their own business, but like this, this business, this industry afforded me everything I own and everything that I've done and my kids going to college and all of that. I'm not neck deep in debt. So it's, um, it really is it really is important i think in the whole contracting world in the whole trade world which is near and dear to my heart my brother's a mechanic my my father was uh, an immigrant and uh, hvac commercial refrigeration and so i grew up in this world and and this whole idea of looking down your nose at at tradespeople to me was like nope no it's why i wrote my book i i wanted to be able to show that these are the most important some of the most important workers we ever have, because you're never going to offshore the work we do. And so we want it to be an honor. We want to return it to being an honorable profession where people are proud about what they do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's funny that you, you're talking about that it reminded me of, I saw, I think it was this morning, I saw on a, a comment section somewhere and it was talking about automation. Like, you know, what, what have you done in your business to automate your, to automate everything? And somebody was, they were joking and they said, well, I, I automated my landscaping. So now I have somebody, now it's automatically done every two weeks or every other week or whatever. And it's like, you know, like you can't like, yeah, you can buy a, you know, robot lawnmower. Robotic sure. Mower and, yep. mm-hmm. and, and, and they do have, you know, robots that can pull weeds too, but this idea that you're not, you're going to get away with not having, you know, manual labor trades do this work is, is ridiculous. Like it's just not going to happen at least for another 10, 15, 20 years until we have fully, you know, autonomous robots that can literally do everything. Well, and also remember like you had a great thing in one of your podcasts where you said it was the one where you were um, talking about, I think it was the, the, like the estimating mistakes or something, or, or maybe it was the, the save or spend. That was it. It was a save or spend one. It was oh, yeah. a really, really good episode. I think 142. And you said something about simplicity scales and complexity, complexity stalls. Right. And yep. in that particular, um, in that particular vein, when we're talking about um, the high art elements of our trade, um, it is art and you can't automate it like that. You sort of lose the automation potential there. Now, if we would just want to have fields and, and if we look at what happened with big ag, you know, they had to simplify, 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 made these huge tracks of the exact same thing. And then they could automate the hell out of that. 
Yep. And, um, and look what it's done to our environment. So automating the trades only, I think, has a certain level of, of potential. And then what we end up automating, like I went and automated my lead generation. That's what you should be automating, right? You should be yep. automating lead gen. You should be automating all of the qualifying of your leads. Like there's so much stuff we can automate, but we're never going to automate pruning a prized Japanese maple because nobody's going to want a robot to ever touch that. So we have right. to honor the skill of maybe it's woodworking, maybe it's plumbing, maybe it's pruning, whatever it is, that we want to continue to elevate those elements of the trade because that what's that's what makes us special and that's what makes us valuable in the industries. Yeah, and, and even the art aspect of it, like this is where sometimes like people disagree with what I'm saying. And I understand it. Like you can, no matter what it is, whether you're a landscaper or a, a carpenter or a concrete guy or rough or whatever, like there's people that they truly are passionate about the art of it. Right. Like they, and those are what I would call the craftsmen. And, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of those people tend to be more lifestyle contractors or lifestyle craftsmen. Yep. They're not going to have a huge company they're, you know, they may do really well for themselves financially, but they're in it because they love the actual work, the, the art side of it. And then you have the people who are like, Hey, I just want to own a business. I just want to own a landscaping business. Right. I want to do good work. And you know, I'm not going to touch the tools. I'm going to hire people, blah, 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 whatever. And that's okay too. I mm -hmm. think it's important to, you know, to know, like you can go down either route, but it's very hard to kind of merge the two together. Uh, it, it, at least at scale it is. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree. I actually did a video uh, on my YouTube channel about um, the difference between fine gardening and landscape maintenance and that it's not an either or equation. It's you need both. You need to be able to have landscape maintenance contractors that can do all of the broad work, everything from mowing to major leaf cleanup to plowing you need that. You have to have that for public safety. You need to have that for community hygiene. Like you need that stuff. And not every person is going to want an edible garden or an English garden or a pollinator garden. I mean, not everybody's going to want that. So you need them both. And it's the, when I think about um, not wanting to oversimplify, it's like, don't water down your trades and say that they're all just the same thing. I loved how you said, you know, you have the lifestyle business, or you have like a trade business, right? And so those businesses, the trade businesses, I think you had a guy on that did, did um, shower stalls or something. And he was like, man, if somebody asked that they wanted a sink, we just walked away. We just do showers. Oh, yeah. That's it. Like, that's awesome because you're really clear about your service. And every company can do that, whether you're really working a simplified trade business or a really high-end lifestyle artistic business, even that, you can't go too wide. You'll never do it. So I think that clarity yep. of, of your service is so important. And then, you know, you price well, you, you have good profit, you can take good care of your people, and it works well. Yeah, and, and when you go down the artistic route, I mean, it truly is. People are about, are hiring you because they appreciate the art aspect of it, and they're willing to pay a higher premium for these one-off, you know, kind of creations, these mm -hmm. very, very artistic creations versus like, hey, I just need a retaining wall. You know what I mean? Like, right. there may be some level of art in there, but it's not like, you know, like you said, trimming a bonsai tree or, right. or doing Right, sometimes you, know, you just doing... need to hold the soil back. <laughs> 
Correct. <laughs> and I have one of, one of my clients is a, uh, owns a sawmill, you know, just an individual sawmill. And it's like, well, he just cuts timbers. But if you talk to him and have a conversation, he's very passionate about the wood and the species and how it's, how it, you know what I mean? Like you can hear the art, you know, the art, the art, the, the artist coming mm -hmm. out of him when he talks. Right. And I'm like, do when you do your videos, when you're doing, you know, Facebook reels and TikTok videos, like you need to go down the art route. You need to talk about why this is so important and why you're passionate about it. And people will be attracted to that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that there's this niching down is, is so important. And I think people get really scared about niching down. Um, but 100%. I think ultimately niching down really does offer you a lot of potential to attract your ideal client so that there's less friction in the whole sales cycle because they already want you. They already want what it is your company does. And then of course, I think the the tripping point with artists, and I'm I'm thinking you're going to agree with this, is that, you know, you have to decide, like, you can be the only artist, right? And then you're never going to scale. Or what I did was I created the Lifescape method. I wrote a book about it, and now I teach it. And so everybody who works for me becomes a Lifescaper. That's actually what they do. It's our brand. It's our artistry. But it's not just me. I mean, I have clients that I don't really even know because my team is working for them. So I think that's the other piece of it. You just really have to think about, is it just me? And that's, that's valid for some people, or can you, can you codify it so that you can teach it so that you can replicate yourself and, um, and that mission within your company so that you can grow. That's the perfect transition. You must've been reading my mind because I was literally <laughs> going to transition to the lifescape method and what that all about. But before I do that, <laughs> Uh, you said something there that was really great about, you know, codifying and, and really process, you know, creating these processes so that you can transfer a lot of the artistic elements to it. And I was listening, I think I was listening to a book. So I heard somewhere and I don't remember exactly where this is at, but there is an artist and I'm pretty sure this is in the past, but he was a very famous artist that did portraits and, you know, everybody wanted him to paint their portrait. And he figured out that the, the most important or the most difficult part of the portrait is the face. And so we, what he ended up doing is he trained a bunch of other artists underneath him. And he would go in and he would paint the face. And then the other artists would come in and paint the rest of the portrait. Because the people didn't care about, you know, their shirt or, you know, that didn't matter. It was, did you capture their face? And so he figured out how to essentially uh you know create assembly line for art nice. and i mean he couldn't eliminate the the face painting part of it but the rest of the painting would take three times as long than it would to paint the face and so i just think that was a great illustration of how you can take something that's complex or you know a, a one-off or, or artistic element and still streamline that and still make it you know uh, something that you can scale to a certain extent yeah, that's brilliant. I'd love to know who that artist was. When you figure I it out, let me know. <laughs> I'll try to remember it. Yeah, I was like, that's I awesome. Never even story. thought that that was possible. I'm like, but that was like a perfect illustration of how you mm -hmm. could. And so like for, you know, for like an artist, like if you're, uh, if you're doing, you know, maybe, in, and maybe you've done this or do this, but like you may do, you may have to do the very, very difficult, high technical, artistic, not, I guess not technical, but very artistic elements. You may have to do those yourself. But the things that, you know, your team might be able to do 70, 80% of that. And that way you're not 100% on the tools, you know, doing the artistic part of it. But let's get into the livescape and maybe that'll help 
clarify that for me? Yeah. So um, I was I was working in this way for uh, for a long time, and uh, I was cycling through people, and I felt like I was trying to um, mentor and get people to apprentice with me, and uh, and then I was hiring clients. Uh, you know, clients were hiring us, and I was telling the same story over and over again. And so I thought, gosh, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be a way to like encapsulate what is, what it is I'm doing. Because if I say I do environmental gardens or sustainable gardens or low impact design or whatever, people all like scratch their head. What does that mean? What does that mean? And I was like, I got to simplify it. And so the idea of Lifescape came into my head because my two big complaints are that we create what I call feature scapes which is, I got to have a hot tub. I got to have a patio. I got to have a walk. I got to have it. And people will just buy stuff and jam it into their yard. And it's like not cohesive. And it just felt like a feature scape. To me, they weren't attractive and they weren't even, I didn't want to really sit in them. And then the other side, we had what I call dead scapes, which is, you know, it's kind of that whole HDTV, dig a hole just the size of the pot and then stuff the plant in it all pot bound. And these, you know, landscapes would look great the minute they were done, but then they would never survive because the system, nobody ever did anything to the living breathing system. And I thought, oh, well, what I want to do is a lifescape. I thought, oh, that's kind of catchy. And so I started writing and I realized that I had to really trim it down. So I came up with three tenants, organized, healthy, and wow. And what most people want is wow. That's what they buy. That's what the media sells. That's what HTTV sells. That's what the big box store sells is the wow. The problem is if I buy the wow, when I bring it home and I don't have a plan for that wow, I end up putting wow on top of wow. And then you get your feature scaping. If I don't know what to do with that wow thing. And I take that plant, like one of the ones around here, everybody likes to buy a hydrangea and then they don't know where to put it. So they put the pot near their door, or the garage, and they just leave it there because they don't know where to put it. And then it dies there, right? So you have the deadscape. So I was like, okay, the wow is important. Human beings are actually designed for wow because that's how we know that something is healthy or good for us as we go for the bling, right? But if it's, if it's not organized, then the system will fail. Mother nature is a very organized system. Even in our chaos, it's organized. So everything has to be organized from the design to the actual system, the, the soil system, the biological system has to be organized. So that was number one. Number two is when you have an organized system, you have the ability to build health. And just like building health in the human body, it's a long game, right? So if you're sick all the time, one of the first things you want to think about is how healthy is my gut? right? Because that's where our immune system lives. Well, guess what? The soil is the gut for the plant because plants don't have digestive tracts. The soil is a digestive tract. So if we can think about the system from a health perspective. We have a total leg up. And then the wow, you can do whatever you want in the wow part of things when it's inert, right? When it's not living. When it's living, you just got to connect the wow to the environment, right? And then it'll work. And so what I did was I just drilled down in each one of those things. And I actually have a chapter that you would probably love. It's like the five mistakes um, podcast that you did. I freaking love that one. That one is so good. The estimating mistakes. Yeah. Cause you talk about um, like not taking enough notes and taking too long. And then you talk about the whole, like missing that bridge time. I wrote a whole chapter called build it, which is like, it's all well and good that you know how to build a patio or you know how to build a deck. 
But if that's what you're pricing, you're always losing money. And so in the book, I took the organized, healthy, and wow, and I looked at the actual development of a landscape and then built the lifescape coach and say, said, you do the exact same thing. You need organization, health, and wow, even in your business. And you can use the exact same method in your business. Well, that's a lifescape method. That's awesome. So let's, let's dive into that with, in regards to business. So mm -hmm. when you when organize the business, I mean, that seems self-explanatory, but what, what does that mean to you? What does organize your business mean? So everything from the, the structure of your business, you know, how is your business structured? Do you have an org chart? I know some people don't believe in having org charts, but most of the people that I coach, their org chart looks like this. It's just like long flat line. It's like them and everybody else. Yep. Um, and so I really think that the organization of the business um, has everything to do with how you've structured your business, how you structure your team, your chain of command. I think chain of command is one of the most important things. I tell people that I run a benevolent military because I just like chain of command. I think it just makes sense. It's like you want to know who do I talk to in this particular situation? So it's not about, you know, top down and and being rough, you know, with people. It's really just about knowing who's the person that you you get to go to talk to. So it's that whole mindset of your business. And I did a whole class on this. So I, I sell um, a program called the Landscapers Freedom Formula. Hey, just a quick time out from the show. In the next 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you exactly how you can transform your contracting business. Imagine being part of a community of winners where you can find out exactly what they've done to be successful. That's exactly what you get when you join the Profit Club. But it's not just a community. You get lifetime access to all of my course-related material, including all future material that I add. But wait, there's more. Each week, you'll get access to three group coaching calls to talk about sales, marketing, and business problems and answer any questions that you may have. Still not convinced? How about personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you overcome your limits? And here's my promise to you. I guarantee you will double your investment within 90 days or I personally will work with you one-on-one -on -one until you do. So don't wait. Elevate your game with The Profit Club today. Now let's get back to the show. And that program talks about business mindset is first, right? So what we talked about before we even got on the call, that difference between the hobby mind and the business mind, right? So it's like, look at that mindset mastery, really decide if you've decided to, to become an entrepreneur, then that is your job. You don't get to be carpenter first. You have to be business owner first. From there, we move to services. And it really is about identifying your services and going deep and being careful of going too broad and being jack of all trades and master of none. Um, it's kind of like the typical landscape truck that's got like 17 bullets down the side of the truck saying all the things it does, like it's a task list. Yep. <laughs> um, so we really try to, to hone in on service off and offer clarity. And then from there, it's you've got to become a really good salesperson. So we do a full sales strategy. Like how do you know how to sell? how to ask for the sale, which is one of the biggest things that people don't do, right? How to work your pipeline. And then if you're growing outside of being owner operated or just like two or three people, then there's a whole segment on team building because you've got to be able to be, build a team. And then finally we have a, a cash flow system. And so the idea really is to help, help small businesses look at their landscape companies and look at them such that they understand that they are a system just like nature is a system. And when it's out of balance, things go wrong. So your job is to develop the system and then manage the balance. 
I'm writing this down because I love that. It just painted a perfect picture of it's easy to create a system, but if you have systems that aren't in balance, uh, it's not going to work, right? right? Just like, so in nature, tying it to nature, I mean, you can't just put a plant in the middle of a concrete parking lot and then expect it to thrive <laughs> because it, it just doesn't work. You know, the, the system doesn't work. So, right. um, yeah, I love that. Uh, I think it's easy for, and, and obviously there's a process, right? Like you're not overnight just going to have all your systems figured out and everything organized mm -hmm. overnight. So there's going to be this, you know, there's going to be hiccups and issues along the way. But I, I love that whole, really that whole painting the picture of like all of your organization, all of your systems working like an organic process. Yeah. And it's a living, breathing system. So when we think yep. about, so I tie everything back to nature when I'm working with business and I keep, what I try to get people to understand is that business is a system. Families are systems. And so these systems aren't static. Systems have moving parts and they move and those parts need tending. They need maintenance. They need attention. And so we want to build systems that can, you know, even automations, you know, we have, my website has so many automations but I need somebody looking at, at it from the back and saying, are these automations still working? And are, are, and are these automations, are they still the automations we need? Because we may have a mission uh, for our company, but our vision is going to change over time. And so sometimes we have to go in and we have to alter or tweak those automations. So we have to tweak our internal business systems when things change. And in landscape, and I'm sure this happens for, for um, building contracting as well. If, if you have a, like a, a super dry, hot year, you know, the way paint works, the way roofing works, the way, you know, all of that stuff, like it changes. If you have a super wet year, I mean, it's the worst thing in the world to be an outside painter, you know, so we have the same problem. So all of these business systems need a lot of just kind of regular check-ins so that we know, okay, in the environment that we're dealing with right now, is the system still working or do I need to make a tweak? And that's that going back and working on your business and knowing that it needs your attention just the way, you know, you go out and mow your lawn. I, I ask this question sometimes to people. It's like, when was the last time you actually checked your website and make sure everything works? Like mm -hmm. you said, you have a system to check that. Like, is that done once a month? Are you, are you checking it? Cause I mean, you could have three weeks, three months of the form on your website doesn't work. And you're like, why am I not getting any leads on my website? It's like, because it doesn't work and you never checked yeah. it. I mean, I, I work my website every week. We have a, we have, I work, um, my platform is HubSpot and we do inbound marketing and education-based marketing. All the lead gen is um, organic um, because I write. So I publish two blogs. One is a business blog and the other is a gardening blog. Um, and so we're just kind of, we're in there all the time. It, it was, it has been the best investment that I've ever, ever, ever done. Um, it brings our leads in, they just come in overnight. It does uh, so much work for us for um, recruiting. Uh, so I can't begin to tell you how important it is, I think, to have a really good website that has a lot of things automated, especially if what you'd rather do is like be designing gardens. Yeah, I'm looking at your website here off screen, and it looks fantastic. Uh, I want to take a quick detour because I'm seeing this. You have your your book on there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, get your copy of your book. Have you found that that actually helps sell jobs? Have people bought your book and then and then hired you to do their work? Yes. So uh, the really interesting thing about the book uh, is that more than any like the book doesn't make you money. I mean, it's not a money maker. What it is is it's a it's a marketing piece. 
and uh, you know, it's nominal price to buy the book, but it's a, it's a marketing piece and it's an education piece. So the book was written so that I could educate anybody who wanted about these ideas. And then if somebody bought the book, now they have language to talk to me or to talk to any landscaper. So the way I organized the book was that you could be a landscape professional and buy it, or you could be a homeowner and buy it. And the idea was now they, you would have a shared language to be able to talk to each other. And then I did a lot of blogging about it. And I'll tell you, one of the coolest things that happened was when people started filling out my get started form and saying things like my arrival experience is just terrible and I need it to be better. I need more of a lifescape and I have no, no wow factor. You know, they would say these things that were like words in my book or words in the blog. And so the ultimate payback for this is that I have shared language with my ideal client and that has been worth every effort of, of writing the book. Okay, I got to talk about this. I'm, I may go for a minute, but this is okay. so powerful because if you're listening, if you guys are listening to this right now, what she has uh, effectively done with the book, uh, and some of us in the in the industry call it a lead magnet, right? It's just a way to collect your information and or educate. But uh, Monique has been able to educate her clients, not only in the the industry that she works in, but even in the communication. So now whenever they do fill out that form and they're using the words, she knows automatically that they've read the book or at least done some research, read a blog post, watched a video or whatever. And so you're, when you, when you educate your audience, you create value for your audience, for your clients. So when you're doing education and I think you had it here somewhere, uh, the gardener of people and that, and this may tie into that, or it may be a little bit different, but it's the same concept of whenever you start educating your, your audience, they start understanding how you communicate. And one thing I've talked about, and maybe you've heard this too, Monique, but like the curse of knowledge, you ever heard that term, <laughs> right? So you know, us as professionals, we have the curse of knowledge that we just assume everyone knows what this plant is or what its function is or how to use this, you know, this piece of a uh, hardscape or whatever, or how to do a patio. Like, because we're in it every single day, we just assume that everyone else knows the same amount of information that we do. And so this is such a great, uh, if you guys go check out her website, maybe we'll get you some SEO uh, bumps there, but <laughs> awesome. <laughs> go, go check out her website, uh, thegardencontinuum.com. And just see how it's laid out because, again, she has the book there. It's a good lead magnet, and she has a ton of information on here educating her clients. And so if I was wanting to have work done and, you know, in, in her area, like, I would have no doubt that, you know, that you're a professional and that you're very good at what you do. And this is – I just thought you did such an amazing job with your website, so I wanted to give you some kudos there. Yeah, thank you. And I, I think the one thing I would – thank you a lot for that. That That's phenomenal. And um, I – Look forward to having y'all click on my website. <laughs> but and we'll put the, the links too in the show notes, by the oh, way. Oh, awesome. But the thing the thing that I just want to make sure too is that like you don't have to write a book. Like I wouldn't want someone to think that they couldn't do right. it because they don't have the interest in writing a book. Like it can be it can be so simple. Like we have a YouTube channel and then everything's transcribed and and that's there and that's creating SEO. We've got just short little eBooks. They're free. 
that people can download. So if you're a subject matter expert on some particular thing, you can literally for such short money work with somebody. You can actually just talk it into your phone. And then there are really great platforms that will translate and create an ebook for you. And for short money, you can have somebody develop that out. And I think that that's the kind of thing that that curse of knowledge, you want to turn that and make it for your benefit. You want to take that, like you were talking about the guy who knows so much about wood. He could make such a cool little ebook about wood and right and and have little shots of the different grains and colors of the wood and then the best possible uses. This is best for cabinets. This is best for furniture. People gobble that up. They love it. And nobody is happier than when they can brag about their contractor. I think one of the things that is so cool about our industry is that the best clients, and there are so many of them out there, when they find a contractor they love, they brag about them. They feel like, oh, it's my con. They, you, you hear people talk about my contractor, you know, and they refer them. So it's not doesn't have to be a book. It can be a small bit of information, but get some of that knowledge in writing and on your website or on your Facebook page or wherever. So important. Yeah. And, and you know this uh, being a coach too, but like we, in the, in the, in the coaching space, we call it a lead magnet, right? Yep. It's like, it's just a way to collect their information. It's a way to get their name and their email, right? Cause we want to build our list, but it, it, for your customers, like in it, why I'm bringing this up is because a lot of contracting uh, in, in the construction space, like nobody does this. Like it's maybe 1% of companies have a lead magnet of some sort that they, that's downloadable or, or that you can purchase. And so it's a huge blue ocean opportunity for contractors to, and landscapers to really provide value for their clients, but it can be a simple one page PDF. Yep. It can, it can just be the seven top trends for backyard landscaping or, you know, the five ways to uh, lay out your patio or what, I mean, it could be anything yep. and you could, most of these you can write in one day. Like this doesn't have to be like you say, it doesn't have to be a book, right? Uh, but it's such a huge value add. And you're collecting their email, which now you can send out email newsletters and all kinds of ways to, to build that audience. So uh, I just wanted to point that out there. Like you're doing an awesome job at it, but if you're listening to this, figure out a way to, and I tell my clients this all the time. Of course, it's one of those things where it's like, eh, it sounds great, but when I have time, maybe I'll do it, you know? And it's like, no, this is such a valuable value add. Totally. So, okay. Um, we're running out of time, but I want to, I want to talk about the, as far as the healthy and the wow mm -hmm. in business, like, let's pick one of those that you think is maybe the most important and then we'll kind of. Well, I think that probably the healthy is the most important because you want to have a, you want to have a healthy organization, right? So we have financial health, we have um, brand marketing and sales health, you know, cat, that whole cash flow that's connected to to your brand strategy, your marketing and your sales flow, right? So cash cash flow is king, right? You gotta, gotta have it all the time. So those systems have to be really healthy. But then I think when we take a step back, one of the things that I know is be curious, your take on this, is that um, a lot of contractors are tearing their hair out. Most of the contractors that come to me are at that point of tearing their hair out. They just, they just, they're like in burnout. I mean, I've been there. I, I still go there sometimes because, you know, we are contractors and it just kind of happens. But um, being able to have the nervous system regulation tools, 
the um, very healthy coping mechanisms. Um, you know, I've had my share of not healthy co coping mechanisms. I grew up with um, childhood trauma. So I was somebody who struggled with rage, with anger, with all sorts. We've got to figure out how to be able to be owners and be at peace, right? Not not tearing our hair out. I mean, again, there are going to be moments. If you're a contractor, you're going to tear your hair out every now and then. It just is the way it is, right? But you don't want that to be your MO where like you open your eyes in the morning and the first feeling you have is dread. And that seems to be so common. So for me, healthy within the organization starts with the owner and then it trickles down to the next tier and so on. And we do not want the owner responsible for the lowest person on the totem pole. They need help. So the bigger the organization, the more buffering and help it is needed within the system. And normally what I find is that the training that I do really is about personal self-regulation, learning communication tools, um, learning how to deal with, I mean, a lot of your employees are going to come to you and then they're going to express all of their parental trauma with you, right? So your employees are going to treat you like the mother or father figure that they're still pissed off at. This is the way humans act. So we need to be able to have healthy organizations. And that's been... That's been a real focus for probably the past like 10 years um, is figuring out how to develop, really help to develop people so that they're not popping off all the time. And, you know, obviously at different stages in your business, if it's you and one helper, do, do you really need to have a ton of, you know, emotional intelligence to have everyday conversations? Probably not. But if you have an organization with 15, 20 people underneath you, do you need to have a higher level of emotional intelligence? Absolutely. Right. So a lot of these things you're developing as you scale your business, you're scaling this personally as well, your leadership. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of contractors, you know, when they start their business, they they're just they're just starting their own job. Like, I mean, they're just basically creating their own job. Right. Yep. It's like. Why would I want to work for someone else and get paid 20 bucks an hour if I can do it myself and make 40 bucks an hour and, you know, work my own schedule? Uh, <laughs> was you know entrepreneurs that goes. <laughs> Yeah. Entrepreneurs are the only ones that work 80-hour weeks to avoid working 40-hour weeks. Yeah. Right? So, uh, but anyways, like, when you start out, it's not even on the radar mm -hmm. of like, oh, I need to figure out how to be a better communicator with my staff and actually have empathy towards the fact that they're wife's leaving them or that, you know, the kids haven't, a kid has cancer or whatever it is that's going on in their mm -hmm. lives. If you don't think that affects your, you know, your business and your even affects you personally, you're going to figure out pretty quick that it does like it, you need to have these skills and you don't have to be an expert. You know, if you are that guy with one helper, you don't have to be an expert right now, but the sooner you start actually developing those skills the quicker it's going to help you as you do scale your business. Yeah. Um, I also well, think that, in, and I agree with you a hundred percent. And you know, there's a, that adage that, you know, your, your business will only grow to the capacity of your skill or your knowledge as a business owner. Right. So we yep. can say, I don't want to do it because I only have one person, but the more you'd say you're not going to do it, then the harder it is to, to build up. But the other piece really is like people have a really hard time selling. They have a really hard time asking 
for the sale. They have a very hard time pricing themselves properly. And this has a lot to do with feelings of um, low self-worth, low self-esteem, fear around money. So, you know, part of the limitation of growth within business part, most of the limitation of growth within business is all in your head. And so um, really people need to, that's why I did the, the freedom formula the way I did, because people don't want to talk about that right? They want to talk about services and sales, but it's all embedded in it, right? Beginning to shift our mindset. So we're not walking around thinking I'm a used car salesman, but as instead saying, I'm not a salesman. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually peddling solutions. I am giving yeah. people an opportunity to solve their problem by using my service. Why would I ever hold that back? So that is also part of um, a lot of nervous system regulation is needed for that. Um, a lot of emotional intelligence is needed for that. Um, and so it's embedded in all of the pieces. Um, and that, that to me is the, is the crux, right? That's the health piece. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I love it. That's the part I love so much. <laughs> it, it doesn't get talked about enough. You know, we look at, we can look at, um, mental health in the, you know, in the, in the world and the States, for, you know, as it is right now, it's in terrible place. I mean, it's, it's more we're talking about it more, but you know, 20 years ago, you never mentioned anything about no, 20 health. years like, ago. You could scream and yell at your contract at your employees. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I even did it like it just is very different. Yeah. This whole idea of like psychological safety, workplace safety, emotional sa who talked, nobody talked about that in the eighties or nineties. So it's, yeah, and it's, I, it's a different world. I think we could, I mean, we could probably argue or, or have a debate about like, are we going too far into the soft area? I think, Ooh, I think we yes. probably are a little bit. I agree. My, my wife's, my wife's a professor and you know, every year the kids that are coming in are struggling more and more with, you know, failing and all this stuff. So I, she sees it every single day, but, um, and that's a whole nother topic I don't want to get into, but <laughs> what I was also, all I wanted to add to what you said about the mindset is like, you know, whenever we're, people are selling jobs and somebody wants uh, a $100,000 backyard patio and the contractor's like, I would never spend $100,000 on a patio, right? It's like, well, it's not your money. Like, you, you, don't, you don't sell with your pocketbook. You never sell right? with your own wallet, ever. <laughs> and yep. that happens all the time, though. Yes, it does. Yeah, for so that, sure. that mindset really, really, um, you know, hurts you in that in that aspect. I uh, and I'm not I've said this before, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. But when we get off here, I'm going to go get me a Starbucks and then I got to go see my therapist. Mm -hmm. I got a meeting to go and, and I can't wait because I can. Hey, I can walk. I can talk about some stuff that I've discovered this week that I want to talk about and yeah. and work through that. Right. Work through some of those limiting beliefs that I may have. So. You know, the healthy part of it, I think it's, it does start with you and then it spreads through your organization, but it's not going to spread through the organization if it doesn't start with you first. Yeah. And what will spread if you, if, you know, not to open a whole nother topic, but just staying with this one is people love to talk about culture and, you know, you're either going to set the culture and, and then nurture it, or it's going to get set on its own and it will get nurtured within the system. So there is always culture. And the, and the question is, what is the culture? And are you taking responsibility for directing it? And we can direct it into really, really negative ways. 
And I loved what you said about, you know, like, are we, are we tipping the scales so much that we're giving everybody an award just for showing up, you know, oh my gosh, no, thank you. But, but, you know, the other thing about ownership is, you know, you can put a, you can put a stake in the ground and then draw a line and say, this is my company. It's my company, my way, my rules, my mission, my, my vision. If you like that and you want to work here, fabulous. I'm all over that. If you don't, there's the door, no hard feelings. You can go and kind of normalizing that thing. Like it's okay for me to say, I want my business to be my way. Like a big thing for me was that we have a substance free workplace. So nobody smokes on our jobs. You can smoke at home all you, all you want. But I had a lot of people tell me you can't do that in the construction world. Everybody smokes in the construction world. And I was like, well, that's fine. Just not in my company. And so I think owners really do have an opportunity to, to decide what is right for them. And I think in your push and pull conversation that you did that, that episode, that was awesome. It's like, find the thing that is like, it's easy for you to be in that space. And then, and then you tell people, if you want to be in this space with me, this is awesome. I'd love to have you. If it's uncomfortable for you, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll see you over at the, you know, at the, at the little league field when we see our kids, but we don't have to work together. Yeah. hundred percent. I had a no smoking policy. Well, I, I didn't have a no smoking policy. I had, you can't smoke in the customer's property. You can't mm -hmm. smoke in the company vehicle. Mm -hmm. You can't smoke at the shop, but if you want to smoke, go ahead. Right. So basically you can't smoke anywhere while you're working. I mean, you could walk out to the street and have a cigarette if you wanted. I had a couple guys that would do that. Yep. Um, but for the most part, I, I think, I think also, you know, a lot of people are, uh, they feel trapped by the fact that there are less, you know, less people going into the trades. It is, it, it is harder to find good help. It and is. so when they find someone who they believe to be good help, they, they tend to look the other way whenever they have these bad habits, whenever they step over that line, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I, they feel they're basically held hostage by their employees. Right. I mean, would you have you ran across? Oh, know, I have. And then contracts? it's a huge yeah. erosion of culture. And what ends up happening is it builds resentment. And then this is where the owner, instead of pulling their hair out, they're actually becoming soul crushed on the inside. And so that's just sort of the inverse relationship of that kind of burnout and that soul crushing burnout. That's actually a harder one to reverse. Um, I, I, and I remember it. I, I absolutely got to that point and um, it really was very hard. Like I didn't want to keep going in the industry at all because I was kowtowing to everything that everybody told me I had to do. And when I woke up and determined that the only way to stay in business was to do what felt in alignment with me and you know lifescape was born and all this stuff was born out of that and it, some people might think it's super weird but it makes me happy and if you want to work with me great and if you don't fine it just uh i don't do that anymore but it that's actually a learning curve thing so yeah. we're not taught that in school we're not basically taught that in families so um yeah entrepreneurs have a they have a, they have a, a mighty climb, you know, to, to really do well in their businesses. And I love supporting them. Well, and, and like it, it, that also piggyback, like if you have low self-esteem, it's going to be very hard for you to tell your employee, like, Hey, you got to be here on time. If not, I got to fire you. Right. Like you know, when you're dealing with these personal, you know, these emotional, these personal issues, that baggage, 
which by the way, Mindset is a perfect book. I don't know if you've read that book or not by Carol S. Dweck. Yeah. Uh, fantastic book about understanding yeah. how childhood, you know, trauma and childhood uh, interactions, you know, it paints the picture as an adults. And a lot of times we've got to go back and, and unpack a lot of those things that happened to us Absolutely. Uh, as kids. If you're not aware of that, if you're like, I just, I just grind it out. I just work hard and work 60 hours on the tools each week and all, it, you know, my quality speaks for itself and everything's going to work out. You're going to have a really, really, really hard time growing the business. Yeah. And if you're in a business for a long time, so having been in a business as long as I have, it, it, it has been a lifetime. What worked for me in my twenties was different in my thirties. And then I started having kids and it was different when I had children and I had the requirement of, you know, being a mom too. Um, it was different when I was single and different when I was married, you know, so so the work that you do ultimately gives you resilience to grow as a human being. Those systems end up being the foundation of the house, right? So you build a good, strong, reliable foundation, big, build a really, really good frame, and then you can start to expand. But if you cheap out at the beginning and you don't do the work, um, then yeah, you can grow to a certain extent, but you're not going to feel the same. I mean, I'm 57. I don't feel the same as I did when I was 40. But I'll tell you that I am much less like stressed and burnt out. Like I'm ready to finish my career, but it's very, a very, very different feeling because of what I've been able to grow. Um, and so I think it's never too early to start doing that mindset work. It's never too early to start unpacking. And it's never, I, I, I have never met anybody who doesn't need a little bit of therapy. I mean, we all do. I've been in it, you know, in and out my whole life. I mean, it's the best possible way to process a lot of the things that generally you don't really want to process out loud. You want to process it with somebody that's safe. And so, yeah, kudos to anybody who, who takes that route. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, you don't look 57. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> So. Yoga. It's all yoga. <laughs> there you go. Yoga is a secret. Yep. <laughs> one yep. last question I like to ask everybody. You may know what's coming. What's a book that you're reading or one that you recommend? Yeah, I think um, the one that I am going to pick because I think um, your <laughs> listeners probably really like it. It's um, The Gap and the Gain. Uh, do I have it over there? Um, I don't think I have it there. It's The Gap and the Gain. Um, it's the, it's a, it's a really, really good book. It's, it's simple and straightforward and it talks about, um, the higher achievers guide to happiness. There it is. Um, and, um, it's Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. And it's so cool because it really simply talks about how we often beat ourselves up and we measure how we're doing at the end of the day, when we look at everything on the list that didn't get crossed off and we look at our lives that way, you know, I'm 57 years old and I still haven't blah, right. Instead of, so we're living in the gap all the time, instead of turning around and looking how far you come and measuring from how far you've come. And when you do that, you see that you're really, you're crushing it. Some days you do little leaps, some days you do massive leaps, but it's this whole system of how to look at your life your business, your family through the gain lens instead of the, instead of the gap lens. And, um, it's a super easy read. It's also on audible, which is awesome. Um, so I think people will really, really like it. And I think the uh, information is actionable. 
I'm gonna have to pick that up. I this is something actually recently, just within the last couple months, of like what what measuring stick are you using, right? What what are you using to measure your successes or failures? If you don't have the right measuring stick, it's always going to seem like you're never measuring up. So great, great stuff. Uh, What's the, what's if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? uh, And like I said, we'll put it in the show notes too, but what's the best way for people to get out of you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram. That's my happy place. I don't do a whole lot of socials, but Instagram Monique.Allen can always DM me on that. Um, The lifescape coach.com is my coaching website and the garden continuum.com is my business website. If you ever want to take a look at it, um, but yeah, the best way to reach me is is uh, through Instagram, Monique.Allen. Awesome. Monique, thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a joy. I had a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have to do it again in the future because I know we didn't even t- we didn't even talk about stuff that I wanted to talk about because there's so much information in there. So uh, I appreciate you being on here and, and the wealth of knowledge. If you're a landscaper or even just a contractor, there's a ton of information that you can get from her website uh, and, and her services. So go check her out there. Guys, you know how to find me. You can on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, YouTube. That's the other one. Yeah. Just search for the hammer and grind podcast. And I appreciate you everybody listening. And until next time, remember guys, profit is not a dirty word.